How you all doing? Real good or just good, good? Real good. Thank you, Charlie. So good to have you all here today with us. For those online, hello, welcome. Can we say a big hello to those online, please? They're, they're, they're part of our family as much as those sitting in the room. And um, I'm just getting myself sorted out. Technology. And uh, it's so good to have you here in the room. We just want you to know, parents, that, um, that if your kids weren't already hyped, uh, we've got more chocolate for them a little bit later, just so you can have a pleasant afternoon. Um, we also have, um, for those that aren't godly um, and require chocolate chip hot cross buns, um, we've provided for you. We're, we're hoping that by the end of this morning, you'll find Jesus and realize that traditional hot cross buns are the only kind that you should have. And uh, can I get an amen for that? See, having chocolate chip hot cross buns, it's a little bit like being a tea drinker. We all know that coffee is God's drink, yes, Hebrews. And so we know that that's the nectar of heaven. And um, so being a chocolate chip hot cross bun person, it's a little bit like drinking Pepsi rather than Coke. It's a counterfeit to the real thing, yes? And uh, I'm just joking with you. And um, I'm excited to be here today. And I just want to start off by saying this. So I, I want us to think about Jesus today. I want us to think about him. Him, not the church, because Jesus didn't come to start a church. And not religion, because Jesus didn't come to start religion either. I want us to consider him, the person, Jesus. Because I think so often when it comes to Easter, we, we think about all the stuff that's around it, and I love what the guys have done and the setup here and all that sort of stuff, but I think sometimes we can lose him in the midst of everything that it is. In the midst of the eggs and the hot cross buns and all that sort of stuff, we can lose sight of Jesus. And I want us to consider him today because he said this in Mark 2 verse 16 to 17. It said, when the teachers of the law who were the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like this was like a no-no back then. Like you just didn't do this kind of thing. And, and tax collectors were worse than sinners. They had their own little kind of space of how bad you could get. Like if people said, there's only so low that you can go, well, there is lower. It's called tax collectors, according to the Bible. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And if anything that Easter does for us, it reminds us that Jesus loves and still loves every single person, and that Jesus actually loves the ones that everybody else despises. He loved the women caught in adultery. He loved the lepers and touched them when nobody else would. He loved 
the, the Samaritan woman who should never have been talking to according to their culture of the day. Jesus always reached out to the ones that everybody else thought was unlovable. Jesus always reached out to the ones that were the worst of sinners. Jesus reached out to everybody. Jesus loves everyone. He's with everyone. Jesus was and always is about us, about you, and about me. He's not afraid of our mess. Sin doesn't worry him. He's not scared or fearful of the mess our lives might or might not be. He's not afraid of any of that. He hasn't come to, to uh, those that are good. He's come for everyone. And I remember uh, a good friend of mine uh, from school, a guy called John, he, he became a lifesaver. And um, he, he rescues people out of the surf and stuff like that. At one stage, I think he's working overseas now, but at one stage, he was working out at Piha. And Piha is a, you know, notorious for, for rips and for people getting themselves in trouble. And I, I remember saying to him one day, like, aren't you, aren't you worried that you're going to get into risky situations? Like, I know you've had all this training, but aren't you worried that you're going to get into risky situations at time? And he said, of course I'm worried about getting into risky situations. But he said this to me, he says, you can't save anyone by staying on the sand. You've got to get into the middle of their mess to save them. And Jesus has never, ever been afraid of getting in the middle of our mess. Jesus has never hesitated in diving into the center of our lives to save us. It has never been about judging us. It has always been about saving us. And that's what the selfless message of the cross is, that we all need rescuing and God is the rescuer of each and every one of us. And it's something that we should celebrate. It's something that we should be grateful for. It's something that should be a relief to us because we don't have to save ourselves. He saves us for us. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, He orchestrated this. In other words, He made this plan. He got together with all the archangels in heaven and said, guys, 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 I've come up with a plan. You know, whenever we go on holiday, Trinity always puts together this itinerary thing of a plan of what we're doing. There's toilet breaks in it and everything. No, it's just, no I'm just joking. But there's an itinerary of what's going on. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's, he's saying, I orchestrated this. Jesus, who had no sin, became sin so that in him we might embody the very righteousness of God. So he, he got together and he goes, man, I'm going to orchestrate this. I know the world is a mess. I know people's lives are a mess. I know there's sin. But I think if we get together and we do this and I go and die on the cross, then we can solve all of this. And, and that he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He, he became so that we could become he became sin so we could become righteous. Come on, he, he, he became what we were so that we could become who he is. Come on, that's a great thing that he did for us. And so we don't need to live according to everything that is wrong with us. We can live according to everything that is right with him. 
Oh man, some of you need to hear that today because you think that you live your life according to everything that's wrong with you. All the mistakes you've made, all the shame from your past, all the problems that you have. You think that your life is lived according to you or what's right or what's wrong with you. You don't have to live that way. We can live according to what's right in Him. In Him, we can have the righteousness of God. He became so that we could become. We don't have to be caught up in our mess. We can step into what He did for us. And when Jesus rolled the stone away from the entrance of the tomb, it was not so that He could get out so much as it was so the disciples could get in and see that death and sin has no hold over him who saves us. I thought you might be a little bit more excited about that, but that's okay. And what I feel like God wants to do in your life and my life today is I feel like God wants to roll away the stone of the tomb of your life so that you can get his resurrection power into your life instead of everything else that you have. You see, in his resurrection, Jesus took what the enemy meant to torment us as in sin, and Jesus took it and transformed us. What the enemy meant to torment us, in his resurrection, Jesus took to transform us. You're not very excited about it, but that's okay. I'll be excited for you. Romans 3.22 says this, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. We're made right just by putting our faith in Him, not by having to do anything, not by having to, you know, when I was in Thailand um, a long time ago, there was this Buddhist temple with like, something like 600 steps to the top of the temple. And what they used to do is they'd whack their head on every step as atonement for their sins as they go up. Can you imagine that? You know? Yeah, we need to go off for a little bit. Needs to do a HIA, head assessment injury. It's like, bang, bang. Can you imagine that? 600 steps. There's blood all over the steps, obviously, because they're whacking their heads trying to make atonement for their lives. But we don't have to do that. We just have to put our faith in Him. And in putting our faith in Him, He does the rest. He took all of the sin upon the cross. He does the rest. And He didn't just take care of your sin, but He then rose again so that you can have resurrection power in your life. Not just free from your torment, but transformed. John eleven twenty five 25 says this, Jesus speaking, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. He said, I am resurrection. I hope you get this this morning because he's saying, I am resurrection. I don't do resurrection I am resurrection. I don't think you get it. If you have Jesus in your life, he doesn't do resurrection. He is resurrection. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person, and his name is Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not what he does. It's who he is. He is the resurrection. 
resurrected king. He is resurrection. It's not something he does. It's something he is. He is resurrection. And when he comes into your world, he can't help but resurrect. And there are some things in your life and my life today that I believe God wants to resurrect. And you're like, well, I'm not dead. Like, I'm not lying here dead. He doesn't need to, because resurrection is all about raising the dead, right? And so, and so I'm not dead. What are you talking about? That God wants to resurrect things in my world. Well, because we, we in our human thinking always think that death is always about this body. But that's not what the Scripture teaches us. The Scripture teaches us that we can be dead in all sorts of things. And I believe that Jesus, the resurrection, wants to come into our worlds today and bring resurrection life to some areas that are dead. What are some areas that can be dead in our lives? Well, the first one is we can be dead in our doubts. We can be dead in our doubts. And I want to tell you this this morning, if you have doubts about God, doubts about who He is, doubts about that is actually everything that I'm saying this morning, He's actually okay with that. He doesn't have a problem with you doubting Him. He just wants you to give Him an opportunity to prove your doubts wrong. But we can be dead in our doubts, and if we're honest, every single one of us at some stage in our lives have been spiritually dead in our lives and our doubts. We've had our questions, we've had our doubts, we've had our concerns about really whether Jesus is who he says he is. Even Thomas, one of the disciples that spent three years with him every single day, had doubts. And when Jesus came after he had resurrected and walked through the wall, which is pretty cool, and into the room where the disciples were, Thomas still had to touch his hands where the nails went. God's not afraid of our doubts. At some point, every single one of us have prayed some prayer and believed that God could and would, and he didn't. And we're like, wow, why didn't you do this? Why haven't you answered? My pastor said that God answers prayer, but you don't answer prayer. Why have you done this? Why are you doing this? You've believed in God to do something for somebody that you that you absolutely love, something really, really bad happened to somebody that you really, really love. And you thought, well, if God is a good God, why did he let that happen? Why didn't he step in? Why didn't he do what I asked him to do? Why didn't he stop it from happening? And all of a sudden, because of life's stuff, all of a sudden on the inside of us, there's a little bit of deadness in our doubts about who he is. We can be dead in our discouragement. Maybe you're not dead in your doubts. Maybe you're just dead in your discouragement. You just you just can't see anything good happening. You, you just can't see how anything could change, how you'll ever get out of the hole that you're in. You, you just don't ever seem to be able to get a break. Every time you start to get some funds into your savings account, the car breaks down or the washing machine dies or something else happens. I mean, Flip, we've had that in the past month in, in our family. My car died, had to put a new engine in it, it was about $12,000, and then the washing machine flooded, and it's just like, what the heck is going on? What are you doing, God? You can feel that you're alone, that nothing's happening, nothing's going to change. You start to get depressed. You're always going to be stuck in this dead-end job that you don't like, and, and you just feel kind of stuck in life and discouraged. 
And some of us, because we've been Christians a long time, we're really good at using all the Christianese language. And we come into church and somebody says, how are you? And I go, I'm good, praise God, hallelujah, amen. And when you say that to me, I just think, bullcrap. Because that's just Christianese for covering up that I'm actually going through a tough time. I can remember when I was growing up in church in the 80s, you walk into churches, this whole faith movement in the 80s, walk into the church, how are you today? Oh, actually, I'm feeling a bit sick. Oh, don't say that. Don't speak that over your life. What, don't be honest about how I'm feeling? Don't be honest about the stuff that I'm going through? How can you overcome the stuff that you're going through if you can't talk to someone about it? Because the Bible says that times of refreshing come from the Lord when we pray together and we discuss things together. And the Bible says this, that when we confess our sins to one another and pray for each other, then we're healed. How does that happen if we just have this stupid hypo faith mentality where we go, oh, don't speak that over your life. Read the Psalms. Half of them starts off of David going, But we can get dead in our discouragement and, and we say glory to God on the outside and on the inside, we're just like, Ugh. you're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, you're really discouraged. Some can be dead in their doubts, some can be dead in their discouragement and others can be dead in the delay. Come on, God, I've been praying for this for years. I'm waiting for you to answer my prayer. I'm looking for a result. Everybody else is getting their prayers answered. Why aren't I getting my prayers answered? You know, when the Bible says things like, we rejoice with those that are rejoicing, mourn with those that are mourning. I think we can do the mourning with those that are mourning quite well. I'm just not too good at rejoicing with those that are rejoicing when I'm going through crap and God doesn't seem to be coming through for me. I know, I know, I'm a bad person. You're all okay. You don't ever feel that way. It's just me. But we can get dead in the delay and go, what is going on? You're answering everybody else's prayers, but you're not answering my prayers. And you can feel dead in your delay. But God's delays are not his denials. In fact, I think God has three responses to most prayers. Yes, no, and wait. Yes, no, and wait. Just because God hasn't done something yet doesn't mean that God isn't still in charge, that God isn't still on the throne, that God doesn't still have a plan, that he may be glorified through the very thing going on in your world today. Maybe not the way that you want it to happen, but the way that he needs it to happen so that not only do you get the victory, but he gets the glory. Some of you feel dead on the inside. You've lost your faith the last two years of COVID and lockdowns, and you're just like, God, what are you doing? Where are you going? What's happening here? You've lost your faith. Maybe you've lost your hope. You're dead in the delay. You're discouraged. You've got your doubts, and you feel trapped in this kind of tomb of emotions and you feel like you don't have the strength to roll the stone away yourself. And the good news is, friend, is that you don't have to roll the stone away from your tomb. Jesus will do it for you. And the great thing is, is dead, dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks into the room. 
Dead things don't stay dead when resurrection walks in the room. Everywhere Jesus went, dead things came back to life. Everywhere he went, the sick were healed, the, the, the dead were raised, the deaf ears heard, the blind eyes see. Everywhere he went, because he is resurrection. It's not something that he does, it's who he is. And when he enters into our world, when he enters into our doubts, when he enters into our discouragement, when he enters into our delays, resurrection comes with it. What we tend to do when we've got our doubts and we've got our discouragement and we've got our delays, because I know I do this, is we tend to keep Jesus outside of the room, trying to understand what is going on and why is he doing this and, and what else do I need to do? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to give more? Do I need to fast? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to serve more? What is it that I need to do to get God to move on my situation? It's, I call it spiritual arm twisting. If, if I do all of this stuff and I pray, pray more, then I get, I get God's arm up his back and I get him to do something that I need him to do. Here's the thing. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. God's got a plan. And the worst thing we can do is keep him on the outside of our doubts and on the outside of our discouragement and on the outside of our delays. The best thing we can do is let resurrection into the room because when resurrection enters the room, dead doubts come back to life, dead discouragement comes courage, and dead delays finds answers. I want to tell you that he is here today. And this Easter, I want you to remember that Christ has rolled the tomb stone away, and the same call he had for Lazarus, he has for you, and he has for me, and he's saying, come out, come out of your doubts, come out of your discouragement, come out of your delays, and step into the resurrection life that I have for you as this musicians come and singers come. You see, when we step out of our tombs, your sins are forgiven, not because you're good, but because he's good. You can be set free, not because you're strong, but because he's strong. You can feel his presence, not because you deserve it, but because he's that good. The resurrection is not something he does. The resurrection is who he is. And if you're stuck, if you're stuck, the resurrection is here to bring you back to life. See, his intention was never just to die on the cross so your sins are forgiven. His intention was always to be the resurrection that brings you back to life, to the original intention that he had for you and for I to be created in his image and in his likeness and in everything we do display the glory and the goodness of God. That's why Jesus says things like, how will you know that they're my disciples by their love for one another? It's this whole thing about us getting back to, being restored to, being resurrected back to the original intention he had for us. to be all those things. And when we keep the resurrection outside the door, 
and we let the deadness sink in. And what starts as unforgiveness becomes bitterness. What starts as doubts becomes denials. What starts as discouragement becomes depression. And what starts as a delay ends up being, I just quit and I give up and I'm walking away from all of this. And it's because we've kept him outside instead of letting him roll back the stone and let resurrection walk in the room because when he walks into our worlds, resurrection happens. Dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks in the room. Why don't we all close our eyes just for a moment? I don't know everything that's happening in your life. You don't know everything that's happening in my life. But all of us, all of us have different things happening in our world where there's a need for the resurrection to arise. We need the resurrection. If all we needed was the cross, he never would have rose again. But we need the resurrection. The cross gives us the atonement for sins, but resurrection allows us to live our lives the way that God intended. And I don't know what areas of your life are dead right now. Maybe maybe your marriage is dead. Maybe your relationship with your kids is dead. Maybe your finances are dead right now. Maybe it's your actual physical body from what the doctors are told. There's a dead, maybe you've got some doubts. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're just frustrated because God doesn't seem to have come through. Resurrection is here. This is Resurrection Sunday and the resurrection wants to step into those dead parts of your life and bring with him what he is, resurrection power. He wants to bring life back into those dead spaces in your world and all those affected by it. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I need, I need the resurrection to step into my world. I need the resurrection to step into my world. Why don't you just, every single person that's like, man, would you pray for me that the resurrection would step into my world? I got some dead spaces and I need the resurrection to step in. Can you just lift your hand? If that's you here, can you just lift your hand? I want to see who we're praying for. Come on. You've got some dead stuff going on in your life and you need the resurrection to step in. Just lift your hand right now. Awesome. You can put your hand down. Why don't we all stand to our feet? I'm going to pray for those that raise their hand, but then we're going to sing for a little bit. And I want to encourage you, if you raised your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, there's something about shifting. As Jesus said this, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, step out of your tomb. Come out of your grave. I think there's something significant when we do something in the physical, it has a repercussion in the spiritual. And I'm going to encourage you, after I've prayed, 
that if you lifted your hand, or even if you didn't lift your hand, that you would step out of your tomb and come to the front and worship Him. That you would step out of, that you would see that, that as I step forward, as I come to the front, I'm coming out of my tomb and into the glorious resurrection life that God has for me. I can't make you do it. I'm not going to force you to do it. I want to encourage you to do it. Sometimes we've got to do something, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is insanity. Sometimes we've just got to take a step of faith and walk out of our seat to the front and go, you know what, God, I'm doing this physically. You need to do this spiritually for me. Let's pray for those that lifted their hands right now. Why don't we all do that right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for every single person that lifted their hand this morning. Lord, that we are not here worshiping a dead God, but we are here worshiping the resurrection life, the one who rose again, who conquered sin and death and hell, the one who doesn't do resurrection, but is resurrection. And when he walks into the room, everything comes back to life. And so we speak, we prophesy, we proclaim right now in every single person's life that lifted their hand, resurrection, walk into the room, walk into their lives, walk into the relationship, walk into their body, walk into their finances, walk into every area that is dead and let the resurrection life of Jesus Christ come to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, why don't you come to the front? Come on, come and worship you.